Father, we thank you for this time. We ask that you would uh, open our eyes, open our ears, Lord, that we might hear your word tonight. We pray, Lord, as we did last week, that if there's anything here that would distract us, that would keep us from hearing your word, that you would just uh, move it out of our focus right now. That you would cause us to hear you and focus on you clearly tonight. And we know, Lord, in a study on spiritual warfare that we'll come across conflict and some trials. So we ask, Lord, that you give us the faith to believe you and to see your goodness come forth in this study. And we ask all this in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, a little bit of review, and that's something I want to be able to do each time. Uh, just a personal note that for me, spiritual warfare was off screen for, for a long time. Um, you know, it kind of gives you the creeps to think that there's evil stuff out there going after you, doesn't it? And so, uh, for quite a while, I uh, did, did one of the uh, ostrich numbers, you know, you bury your head in the sand and make believe that it'll go away, um, or feel like if, if you pay it any attention that all kinds of evil stuff will come and bite you. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what I'm saying. Yes. So, so you, you mostly just kind of ignore it, and guess what? At some point, you wake up and smell the coffee, and you say, "Guess what? Spiritual warfare has been there all along, um, and I have one of two choices: I can either learn to engage in it, or I can try to hide it. And uh, if you are involved in some kind of a battle, and if your hands are totally tied up behind your back and, and you are closing your eyes and you make believe that there isn't anybody, they'll still come after you and still beat the tar out of you. So um, at some point we wake up to the fact that because we are sons and daughters of God and he has a plan and we're committed to that plan that we're going to come into conflict into spiritual conflict uh, whether we like it or not uh, we need to learn to engage and so uh, we typically start backwards or upside down which is I'm having a hard time uh, therefore there must be some, some sort of darkness going after me um, and sometimes we do the Flip Wilson routine you know the devil made me do this that and the other uh, and, and we talk about demons behind every bush and so on and so forth we give Satan too much credit um, and so that is why in the very beginning uh, of our time together uh, I felt that we absolutely had to put this on the bottom and come and focus what the real issues are in spiritual warfare. The real issues are that God has a plan and strategy for humanity in general and for, hum and for us 
in particular. Um, and because we have signed on the dotted line when we accepted Yeshua as our Messiah and Lord, what we what we are saying is here are the keys to the car, here are the keys to the house. Um, radical obedience, radical surrender. God, what I have is yours. Uh, and so you can understand when we're committed to God's plan and God's strategy, we're also going to be bumping up against Satan and, and his strategy. And a, a major part of the goal for, for the evil one is to get us to focus on ourselves and our struggle. And be self-focused, be self-consumed. And by the way, that's something that comes very naturally, very very easy to us, because that's what it means to be a human being. Um, we, are, we have strong survival instinct, and so we look to take care of number one, and perhaps number two or number three, but um, we typically focus on on our struggle and where am I? Am I in a good place? Am I not in a good place? Um, and so we do either the self-exaltation. Um, yeah, that was great. I, I sure did great. I, I'm I'm better than him or her, or else more likely is the self-deprecation or even the self-flagellation. You know. Uh, it was so stupid. How could I have said such a thing? You know, everybody else is clever and I'm absolutely retarded. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever ever felt that way? Yeah, I guess I'm the only one. Um, so, in, in either case, we play into Satan's strategy by focusing on us and our struggle. Because that's backwards or upside down. Um, what comes to mind as a good place for us to begin is the commitment of John the Immerser, John the Baptist, or Yohanan Hamadbil, the, the dunker, uh, in, in uh, John 3.30. So let's turn to that. Let's start with uh, John 3.30. And by the way, keep your fingers limber because we will be uh, circumnavigating the globe uh, through Scripture here. John 3.30 and <coughs> Yohanan. We have two Yohananes. Yohananin. John 3.30. Yes. You must become greater. I must become less. All right, a very short, pithy statement, which suggests what? Humility. Humility. Uh, and by the way, you can have humility or false humility. Um, false humility is still focusing on yourself. I'm, wor I'm worthless, I'm no good. Uh, why is John saying the things that he says, Steve? Prepare the way, but now that Jesus is coming, he 
Okay? Now, but think, think of, of who John is and, and what has taken place in his life. He is preaching, and, and we're told in the early chapters of Matthew, the great cloud, great crowds followed him from everywhere. You know, he, he was in all the late night shows and, you know, uh, everybody wanted to hear from John. Uh, why? Because um, for 300 years or so, 400 years, uh, let's see, Malachi was uh, around 400 BCE, 400 years, Israel had not had a prophet. And here you have this guy who's clearly operating in a prophetic vein, that's big stuff. So everybody and their mother was drawn to to hear what he had to say because he was significantly different than what they were hearing uh, in the synagogue from, from the Pharisees, from the rabbis, who, who were very much in the vein of um, tradition. I am teaching you such and such because I heard it from my rabbi who heard it from his rabbi who heard it from his rabbi going all the way back to the early prophets and to Moses. Here comes a prophet, a genuine prophet, who doesn't say, I've gotten it from my so-and-so, but he stands up like the prophets and proclaims the word of God and says, this is what God is saying. So the people hadn't heard anything like that and John was true blue. No messing around with this guy. I mean, he wore a robe of... Uh, Camel, uh, camel hair and ate uh, locusts dipped in honey. I mean, you talk about uh, straight, uh, straight as, as as an edge, and uh, and so you can understand that from John's perspective, uh, there was a great deal of, of excitement, and it would have been very easy, very natural, for him to say, "Okay, Yeshua, you're fine." Um, you, you do your thing and I'll continue to do my thing. And you certainly don't have that perspective uh, with John. In fact, he, he understands that his role is to, to, to be the one preparing. But the truth is, for all of us, it's natural to elevate ourselves to one degree or another. You know, especially in a good day. So John is saying, no, uh, this is not, I'm not interested here. I want Yeshua to, to be elevated. I want me to, to decrease. Now, think about how radical of a statement that is. And ask yourself this question. Am I willing to say that? That the Lord has to increase in my life and I need to decrease? It's tough stuff. This is not, as, as some people would call it, death to self. I hate that expression. Uh, because that's, that implies that I'm shriveling inside and, and, and I'm dying. That's really not the case. If, if the Lord is, is elevated, then guess what happens to us? We're brought alongside and, and, and we experience more of God's life in us. But at the same time, it's a tough sell to be able to say, uh, He needs to increase and I need to decrease. But the truth is, until we're able to say that, we're sucker bait for anything and everything that Satan wants to do. Why? Because he always gets us here. 
we we are struggling and and we are preoccupied and consumed with our struggle which means we're really not open to being properly focused on the prime directive the prime directive is knowing what it is that God wants done and pursuing it by the spirit of God and accomplishing it so if if that if that can if we can if we stay down here in the realm of the struggle then we are um, un, unable or we are uh, we are unavailable to do what it is that God wants us to do why because it's me God I'm struggling I'm having a bad time help me out here which he does and he will um, but if that's where our focus is then we're not available then to say okay God you can take care of the junk that's going on in my life now I'm here uh, I'm a pot of clay I'm a cracked pot of clay uh, sometimes the cracks are more evident than others uh, but I'm available and so at, th- at this point we line up with what it is that God wants and you can understand that there will be all kinds of distractions and hindrances uh, however as we learn to focus on this uh, then that's the numero uno issue uh, regarding spiritual warfare and that's why I felt that um, we don't want to get into uh, a discussion of the mechanics of spiritual warfare and now I I put on this piece of the armor then the other piece of the armor now I say this prayer and now I say that prayer I was, I, my conviction was that we need to lay a good foundation uh, of what the word of God teaches the big stuff so that we can then apply the smaller principles that fit into all of that um, so remember John 14.30 I want you to I want you all to memorize this verse. That's your assignment for next time, Pauline. All right. My brain's working again, so we can do that. All right. Awesome. <laughs> Would you read that? Um, I will not talk with you much longer, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has nothing on me. Okay. Remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, why was Yeshua able to say that? Because he'd only done the will of God and Satan had no power over him. Okay. Remember, uh, we also looked at Ephesians 4, 26-27. to 27. You don't need to turn to it right now. But remember that... Um, that our actions, the actions that we take, give Satan a uh, beach hold, you know, little uh, pieces of us that he can grab and then use it to bring us down. You know, the, the uh, metaphor, the picture of, uh, uh, of wrestling, you know, what wrestlers try to do, they try to grab a piece of you in order to bring you down. And what Yeshua said, I am my food, this is John 4.34. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish 
the work that he's called me to do. Let's turn to that. That's also a memory verse uh, for you, Miss Espinay. John 4.34. Well, please bring the book next time, the good book. All right. Uh, John 4.34. Then, then be gracious enough to do that, please. Okay, 34. Yeshua tells him, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to accomplish his So what does that mean? Since you're on the hot seat, uh, Joanne. Well, I don't think there's another Joanne here. What is Yeshua's point in, in making that statement? Precisely it. You know, I, I remember talking my uh, to my youth leader. You know, back when there were dinosaurs on the earth, uh, and uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful, precious Gentile gal who led the f- the first Messianic Jewish youth group. Wow. Uh, yeah, this is back. And I said to her, Ruth, how is it that you are able to continue? and had this wonderful attitude. What she said to me was, you know, when I go to bed at night, if I know I had done everything I can to do God's will, I'm content. And and we have all kinds of cockamamie strategies and plans and ideas that sometimes have something to do with God, a lot of times have nothing to do with God, and even when they have something to do with God, we don't invite him into the process and ask him what he wants, but what we typically do is something like, God, I think this is good. Would you please put some pixie dust here? And so, instead of doing what Yeshua said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. In other words, what sustains me is not that I go to bed at night and I say, okay, I did this, I did this, I did this. Go through the checklist of things that we determined we needed to get done this that week or that day, but instead we say, thank you, Father, for enabling me to get this and this done. I know this is what you had in mind for me to do today. And we're content. And because it is about God, and, and, and God, like John the Immerser, because God fills more and more of the screen, there's less and less of us on the screen. Which means that even when we get distracted and harassed and, and, and uh, Satan uh, sends his evil messengers and we have these mind games, you know what I'm saying? The battle, the battle involves, first of all, the mind, the mind and emotions, it's, they're not separate. The mind, the emotions, and then, and then the actions, the, the will, the actions. And if 
our attitude is, uh, Lord, I am committed to doing what it is that you want, and my life is not about me. And if Satan, uh, either in the spirit form or else in the human form, comes and, and tells you how dumb you are, you say, okay, that I know. Hey, you're not telling me anything new. And by the way, one of the wonderful things about being in ministry is people see fit the need to tell you how stupid you are. And after, after a while, you, you don't get into a defensive posture. You say, okay. Um, that, you know, helps with some degree of sanity. But, but the point is, um, you're committed to doing, to, to doing the Father's will. And that sustains you. And so you are aware of the fact that there is warfare. You're aware that part of the strategy, remember we talked about that last time, part of the strategy is deception, because Satan masquerades as an angel of light, right? And he throws all kinds of stuff, and people just jump onto it, you, you remember last time we talked why one of the reasons why people jump onto the sweet nothings that Satan tells them? Remember we talked about oh, itching ears. Yeah, it's it's we're inclined to hear something. I want to hear something. Yeah, tell me, tell me this good stuff. And somebody comes along and tells you stuff, but guess what? It's not from God. It makes you feel real good. And then at some point you, you bite it only to find out that it's really poison. And so part of the picture, again, we, uh, I want to keep coming back again and again and again to bulldog this notion that numero uno in spiritual warfare is God's will. That if we understand that, we're committed to it, we bulldog it, we, we point our noses in that direction, then less and less does Satan have a piece of us. And yes, there are all kinds of possible buttons and avenues. Um, you know, we talked about some of that last time. I, I really don't want to spend our, the rest of our time talking about all of them, the potential. Um, we saw last time uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that one of the biggies, especially in this culture, uh, is sexual immorality of one kind or another. Uh, you know, it's part of the temptation. Like, like Satan put temptation before Adam and Eve and they grabbed it. Sexual immorality is one. There are all kinds of others. You know, for each one of us, there are different potential hooks for us to grab. One of those, of course is fear. What's going to happen to me? You know, am I going to lose my job? Uh, am I going to have cancer? Well, for some of us who have gone through cancer, and, uh, you know, we understand that God is able, but there's all kinds of fears. All kinds of fears. Um, those are big buttons. And we either learn to come back here, focus on God and His will, so that he will cover those buttons or else guess who will push those buttons okay 
this is a rather lengthy review. Uh, so, starting tonight, um, I'd like for us to turn to uh, Colossians 1.13. And then we'll come, Michael, to Psalm. very simple well it is it is very simple very basic reality God has done the heavy lifting you know we currently are not in the kingdom of darkness even though your elections are on and everybody is talking about this that and the other you and I because we embraced Yeshua as our Messiah and Lord we are not part of the kingdom of darkness regardless how much darkness is floating around. We are part of the kingdom of, of light. That defines who we are. Foundation. Um, and yes, th there are battles. You know, stuff happens and you say, this is bizarre. This is not me. I don't know where those thoughts came from. I don't think like that, and so I don't know where that thought came from. Came from the pit, came from Satan. Uh, this particular situation clearly is very odd. Uh, how do I deal with it? Well, what gives me a great deal of security is the fact that I don't have to try and figure out how to engage in this battle. Psalm 144. Verse 1, and I know this is speaking about David and, and David's ongoing physical battle, but there were also spiritual battles. Psalm 144, If you have it, would you read it? Oh, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for battle, my fingers for war. Okay. What does that mean? Well, for me, it means I'm going to get into a situation that's tough. 
You you can go into the next part. Okay. Um, okay. With all joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us uh, fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the holy ones in light. Thank you. This is part of a longer prayer, beginning with verse nine, where Paul says, "I pray for you guys." What do, I, what do I ask God when I pray for you? I pray that you will be filled with the knowledge of His will. In other words, that more and more and more, you'll have a clue what it is that God wants. Remember, what God wants is the prime directive. Um, that you'll be filled with knowledge of God and all wisdom, uh, with all spiritual uh, wisdom and discernment. Um, to walk pleasing to God, to bear fruit in every good work. Then, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. So, Paul was praying for these guys in Colossae, which was, by the way, Turkey. He was praying for them. So, for me, that strongly suggests that I stand in in a good place of authority where I pound on Yeshua's door and I say, please strengthen me with all power according to your glorious might. Because it's not about me, my strategy, my agenda, but specifically it is for perseverance. Okay, let's talk about perseverance um, for a moment or so. Okay, this is not one of the uh, most exalted uh, aspects of our society. This is not a, a uh, uh, highly exalted value in our society. Frankly, it's not highly exalted among fellow believers. Perseverance means to bear under and continue despite difficult circumstances. Now, why is that not particularly favorable in culture or among fellow believers? Because we do what is natural. If we also like having it now. We like having what we have now, and sticking with something or bearing up under something is not a user-friendly idea to us. Why not, Michael? That's just the way the culture goes at things. We're, we're used to instant this, instant that. And we want what we want now. So what happens when things get difficult? We tend to give up. We bail. We bail. Who needs this? Right? That's the attitude. Who needs this? It hurts too much, or it's not comfortable, or there's a fire under my tush, or something. And and you say, I'm going to find some place that's more comfortable. And it's so endemic endemic uh, it is an epidemic actually among fellow believers because this this notion uh, is not there um, things get hot we we take it upon ourselves to figure out what we need to do to make things comfortable problem is who is increasing and who is decreasing? Yeah. 
we're increasing, God is decreasing. We, because we're basically saying, God, you're incapable of seeing to it that things in my life, in my life fit and make sense. We're basically saying, I, I'm the one who needs to control and manage things. And God, without me, you really can't get the job done. But I like to that he prays for patience, all kinds of patience and steadfastness, and with joy give thanksgiving. Right. It's what a combination. It, it's, it's, uh, you know, I used to look at this and say, okay, I think I can handle perseverance. Perseverance, my version was, you grit your teeth, you hang in there, and you say, somehow I'll get through this. Well, that's not perseverance according to Scripture because next to the word perseverance is joyfully giving thanks to the Father. And you say, okay, I don't know about joyfully. Um, so that's obviously supernatural. The ability to bear under difficult circumstances with the joy of, that the Spirit gives us um, and and that's why and that's why we're given the strength. The strength, the strength is not just for us to be strong. The strength is for us to persevere. Because naturally speaking, we will not. And that's true of all of us. You know, none of us. None of us is a super duper hero, uh, so we need we need strength. And if you notice, the language that is used there is very very emphatic. It's like Paul piles on the words, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Well, yes, ma'am. Oh, I was just going to say the last part of verse um, twelve brings it back to focusing on Jesus and giving thanks to the Father. Yeah, that's correct. Because without that, I mean, we're naturally weak, and without being, without receiving the supernatural strength that God wants to give us, then we are incapable of persevering, hanging in there, and in order to get the job done, the assignments that God gives us, we have to learn to persevere. Because the things that God gives us to do don't get done in two seconds. You know, we don't take a pill and boom, presto bingo, everything is done. Um, we, we receive our assignment and we learn to listen and we learn to put one foot forward in front of the other and we learn to persevere even when things get difficult. And in fact, more likely than not, as we take those initial baby steps, things will blow up in our face and we say, what? What did I do? Uh, and that's where we learn to persevere. By the way, uh, there's a, a bunch of these strength type words that we'll get into in, in just a moment or so, but one of the things that is mentioned here is might. Uh, the Greek word for might, cartel, 
has the idea of being strong so that you can overcome. Okay? It never, when Scripture speaks about strength, it never has the notion of, look at my muscles. It's always functional for the purpose of doing what it is that God called us to do. Ephesians 6, 13. This is, of course, part of the weapons uh, passage. And Yvonne, dear, if you find it, would you read it? Yes. So take up every piece of board equipment God provides, so that when the evil day comes, you will be able to resist. And when the battle is won, you will still be standing. Okay. And in a couple weeks, I believe we'll get into this passage more fully, but what is Paul saying here? You engage in, in the battle, and are you expected then to be to be knocked out and to be flat on the ground, all worthless? Having done everything, while you've been able to stand your ground, you remain standing. That's a tough, tough or I should say it's impossible unless we learn to get our strength from the Lord. Again, I want to emphasize and re-emphasize that the goal here is not on ourself or even our need for strength because we're weak or in Satan, but it is on the Lord. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 <clears throat> Um, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily um, beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse two. Uh, looking unto Yeshua, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay. Now, as someone who was a runner back in the dim and distant past, I can relate to that. You learn to run, and especially in the longer distances, you learn to keep your eye on the goal, uh, not so much on the person next to you, the person behind you, on yourself. 
or the spectators, you learn to keep your eye on the goal. And the goal for us is Yeshua. Growing in grace and knowledge of Him. Now, part of the thing about the Word of God is it gets in our face. It tells us things we don't want to hear. One of the things you don't want to hear when you're feeling weak is that the Word of God says, Be strong. And you stand there and say, God, I'm weak. So what are you telling me to be strong for? Simply because strength is there, it's available, it will be given. Um, And I want to finish with a couple of, of additional verses about that. Isaiah 30, verse 15 human nature there's a problem I'm going to fix it Uh, in the case of the people in Isaiah's time uh, they were threatened by the people from the north Assyria and Babylon so they said well we'll fix it we'll go to Egypt we'll get Egypt to help us and and the Lord says no you try doing that you will make things worse What's the, the prescription that God gives us in quietness and rest is your strength. Okay? Very counterproductive, very counterintuitive. When we are faced with something, what's our inclination? <laughs> you know, we get, we get worked up, uh, adrenaline, fight or flight, and what scripture says here, no. It's counterintuitive that this is God's approach. You you back up, you sit down, you're quiet, and you say, "Okay, God, here's 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 the problem. It's your it's I'm putting that at your feet." Is this quietness? Is this, what I'm reading is that it's the quietness. It's the rabbinical shah, basically shikets, right? Yeah. Is it, so is it more of not just quietness, but more in that? In that realm of, you know, shut your mouth kind of thing. That too. That too. You're quiet inwardly and so you're quiet outwardly. So is it similar to like, drop it, know that I'm God, to be quiet, your mouth shut, and that's going to be your strength? Yeah. Yeah. Again, very counterintuitive because you figure I've got a problem, I have to huff and puff in order to fix things and what, what what the Lord says to us is, 
exact opposite. You don't huff and puff, rather you learn to be quiet inwardly and outwardly and you depend then on the strength. Gvura has the, uh, the word for strength there has the sense of, of being mighty I, as in battle, Joanne. Well, actually, no, I was going to, uh, wonder if I'm stupid, but are you saying the actual Hebrew with the Shekhet? Yes, yeah, so in your Shekhet, that's what I was asking. Yes. Behishket, <laughs> yeah. Uh, quietness and, and confidence. Uh, again, if, if we learn to put things in a proper perspective that it is about God, and us learning to discern and do His will, then everything else is down here <coughs> in its proper order. Um, Psalm 84, <coughs> verses 5 to 7, and I think we'll finish with that. Psalm 84, verses uh, 5 to 7. <coughs> hmm? <laughs> well, uh, it, it is that one, but uh, it's actually seven more. Uh, Hermano, would you? How happy are those who live in your house? They never cease to praise you. How, how happy is the man who, who strengthens in you, in whose heart are Pilgrim Highways. Yeah, all the way to seven. Passing through the dry Baca Valley, they make it a place of springs. In the early rain, close it with blessings. And there should be one more statement there. They go from strength to strength and appear before God in society. Okay, thank you. So there's a picture here that the psalmist is drawing. Uh, somebody's a pilgrim uh, on the way to Jerusalem to be in God's house in, in the temple. Getting there is, is a problem. Why? Because they're passing through the valley of Bacha. And we're not quite sure if Bacha is the cry or Bacha is a place of dryness and desolation. So here, here is the, the temple, but to get to it, you go through the valley of Bacha, uh, difficulty, and yet you consider what you're going through as, as springs. In other words, you, you have the perspective, even though you're going through the valley of Bacha, that God's provision springs are there for you. And ultimately what happens is you go from strength to strength through the process of going through the difficulties. The Hebrew there is chayl. Um, chayl usually has to do with valor in battle, uh, ability to be good with weapons. But by the way, this is also the, the word that's used in Proverbs 31. It's translated a virtuous woman who, who can find. 
So, ladies, um, this is pretty strong stuff. Uh, but they go from chayil to chayil, from strength to strength, in the midst and through the process of going through the valley of Bacha. Why? Because their eyes are on the goal, they're, they're fixed on the pilgrimage, on being coming to the temple, to, to being with God. And they are empowered and strengthened, and they grow from strength to strength. See, see, that's when you know that the spiritual warfare you're engaged in is about God. Because if, it, if it's not about God, then you emerge uh, broken and, and, and scratched and, and, and feeling absolutely worn down, which we all do from time to time. You know, even Paul himself went through some situations where, where he was ground but for the, for the main part you read his statements where he says we are pushed but we're not crushed you know we're puzzled but we're not in despair and so this is part of the process life gets tough for one reason or another and for for you and I who are disciples of Yeshua and who are committed to doing the Father's will, there's an additional element of difficulty that comes into the process. And, and that's reality. In fact, at some point, we actually give thanks to the Father for allowing us to go through things because we know that through the process, we emerge, we'll be stronger, we'll go from chayim to chayim. So, so that's why when, when we see the Word of God say to us, be strong in the Lord and the power of, of His might, you say, okay, I think I, I understand that. You, you're, not, you're not interested in trying to build up your, your own muscles, your own strength in your own head, but you admit reality for what it is and you say, this is who I am. You know, little old me, etc., etc. Um, but the challenge is then to have the strength that comes from God. Lorraine. Oftentimes we look back on those days as the good old days. And when you've gone through those things together and they brought you together as a family or a community, and you look back upon trusting in God and, and being with each other. And the good old days, and then sometimes you have too much affluence. It's like, where are those days? Well, I, I don't know about you. I have yet to be cursed by that, but uh, <laughs> by that uh, said affluence. But seriously, um, it, it yes, it is about the good old days in in uh, in, in our family, uh, good old days in how we come together as a mishpacha. Uh, uh, natural family and spiritual family because you see God at work and as you struggle together God brings you together and gives you a greater degree of unity together despite all the things that you go through but ultimately what really makes the difference at the end of the day is the fact that you've gone from strength to strength in Him 
and, and you recognize the fact that the difficulties brought you first and foremost into greater relationship with him because you realized I have no choice and you go from saying I have no choice to saying Lord um, I, I want you I need you I want you to increase I want me to decrease what's the difference between surviving it and thriving through it correct that's exactly it that's exactly it we, we can either take the attitude that says, I will get through it, I'll, I'll grind my teeth, I'll you know, make my face tight and so on, we'll get through it. Or, or you say, no, uh, the Father's will has to be done. I'm committed to seeing to it that the Father's will is done. Um, I can't do it. I want to do it. I have to receive the power, the strength that, is, that God will give me. And when God gives me that, then yes, it's not grinding through it, but it's flourishing. Uh, go from strength to strength. And obviously, what, what happens is who gets the honor and the credit here? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, D does any one of us like conflict difficulties? No. Unless we understand that God uses those conflicts and difficulties to work deeply in our life and bring us into compliance with His will. Okay. Um, Yochanan, would you finish for us with a word of prayer? Dear Father, thank you for bringing the word Please uh, give us the strength to learn that armor that you talk about as we go out into the world and deal with things daily. Please bless our lives home tonight and just 